everybody. This is pop culture critic John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tatey, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, Mom reviews the HBO comedy special My Favorite Shapes by Julio Torres. Let's bring Mom in now. Hi, Mom. Hi, Johnny. (laughs) I don't know what that was. (laughs) How are you? I'm fine. Are you busy? No, I asked how you are, and you're not giving me much. Often a person might say, I'm fine. How are you? A person might show caring about the other person on the other end of the line. (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, I know you had a piano lesson today. Yes, I did. Um, And how was that? Um, It was good. Um, As regular listeners may know, I forget if I've talked about this, but um, a couple months ago I started taking lessons with this... um, Russian concert pianist, and she is uh, very nice, uh, passionate, pretty much what you would expect from a Russian pianist, which is kind of why I um, chose her, um, and I was glad she took me on, but we have these lessons where, you know, we'll spend a half hour and maybe, you know, I'll play the whole piece through, um, you know, maybe like a 10 minute movement of a sonata and she says, okay. And then we just spend a half hour on like the first eight measures of it. And I'm playing and she just says, okay, stop, stop. And then she tells me something else. And she, she says at the end of the lesson, you have made such wonderful progress. Your playing is really developing. But so I have to sort of hold on to that bit. And I believe her, you know, she says it, she, I don't right, think she's right. just saying it, but the whole lesson has just been do this, do this, do this. You know, she's nicer than that. And of course it's more refined and it's conversation, but it's just like, you know, after a half hour of playing these two measures and trying to get them a perfect, it's just like, whew, it, it is exhausting. Because she's trying to get certain, um, intonations out of you. Yes, like we spent a lot of time talking today about how to play forte, different ways to play forte. Same volume, but slightly different tone, um, depending on how you attack the keys or don't. Um, and she she talks about how you have to play from the piano. You don't, your hands don't go at the piano. You get the sound from the piano, and oh. I get it. But it's uh, it's a pretty subtle thing you have to internalize. Um, yeah. And so, and there's like a hundred of those. And she says sometimes right. at the end, you know, sometimes we go long. She doesn't seem to care. Um, and you know, she often says near the end of the lesson, she says, "I'm going to stop now because I don't want to confuse you." She yeah. knows my head is full at that point and yeah. maybe over full. Right. That's right, because it starts falling out of your ears. Now, that's very interesting because let me tell you, my first job out of high school, everybody didn't go to college then. I worked at the telephone company, and you had to sit at this very large board. Everybody had their own section, but you had to plug into something, write, everything was handwritten and plug into something else and then watch it and stamp a time on it. And it was very confusing. Wow. And I thought, I'll never, I'll never get this. And I went home almost at the end of my training and I had a dream 
about it all. And I went in the next day and it was like I'd been doing it my whole life. <laughs> Isn't that weird? That, that is weird, but I can sympathize with that because that's kind of what yes. piano is like. Yes. I, I, and that's why I told you that story. Yeah. Because I think sometimes you take it all in, you take it all in, but you process it at another time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I can practice and practice and practice something. I'm working on a couple of um, Chopin etudes right now. And um, etude is just the French word for study. And because it's a study, it's pretty difficult. Um, and it's it's meant to be that way. And um, I'll just practice and practice for a couple of hours at a time. But I sort of have to like sleep on it one or two nights yeah. to see what results I get out of it, you know, because it's right. um, it's weird how the brain works. I And I really understand that because I, I actually, I mean, you could almost see that process that happened for me and it was very enlightening. Uh, yeah, it does not, your uh, mind does not work in a straight line. Although I guess people understand that because we're all crazy. God, I hope so. I hope we are. <laughs> Well, I wish we would smarten up a little bit, but... Oh, don't back off from that crazy, because I think that's where we should go. You think we should be crazy? Don't you think that's where we are right now as a society? I do. Just uh, I do. Yeah. I really do. And this is what I wanted to tell you. I went to lunch at a very good friend's house today, and, you know, we were talking about the things that are so startling to us, and I'm, I'm going to give this example. This is not to offend anybody or... Oh, oh boy. Here or we go. anything. This is just an example of how shocking it was to me. And we've talked about this when I used the term of um, Oriental. Mm. Yes, I we have talked about this on the show. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, I was sincerely shocked that we don't say that. And, you know, I'm getting to a point where I don't know how I'm going to learn what we don't say because. So many of, of the terms that I've said for my whole life are, are taboo now. You don't say them. And, I, you know, I'm not wanting to offend anyone. No. But it's difficult, to, it's difficult to make that switch because now today I heard that we don't call slaves slaves anymore. We call them enslaved people. I oh, think I haven't heard this one. You know, society is telling me that I need to change practically my whole vocabulary. And it's, it's confusing. It's confusing to me. Well, I can understand it because you, first of all, there's no, like, notification system for this, right? Like, the only right. notification you get sometimes is you piss someone off. I don't imagine you've had that uh situation. I hope not, but... No, but when I said Oriental, you said, Mom, Mom, and I thought, oh my God, what did I say? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, there you go. Just rely on your son. <laughs> Although, you know, who knows? I, I could miss stuff, and you do. You want to be considerate, and you don't want to hurt anybody. Um, right. And, I, and because of that, I just, I think that if you do your best, you're fine. I do think people are generally understanding, yes, you have the extremes uh, on either end of the political spectrum who get dogmatic, but I think most people understand human beings, and um, they, if, 
if it's evident that you care and that you're trying, that's enough. I really think that's enough for most people. So I don't think you should lose sleep over it. Well, but I don't know how people would know I'm trying. Wouldn't they just say, oh, what an ignorant old fart? I just, how would people, do I have to wear a t-shirt that says, hey, I'm doing my best here? Or, you know, how, how would I let people know that I'm trying my best? I just, I don't think you have to let people know. I just think you have to do it. And that's, that's all. As evidenced by on this podcast, when we talked about Oriental, you didn't say, oh, I know that's ridiculous. I'm going to say whatever I want. You wanted to talk out why that had changed. And and so the fact that you think about it and that you think about how other people feel, that's really all that 99 percent of people are are asking. Just think about how it makes people feel. And you do that naturally. So I just don't think you have much to worry about. I really don't. All right. Here is another section that I would like to discuss for a minute. <laughs> okay. Rob Gronkowski, who retired from the Patriots. Yes. As Tom Brady says, we wish our haters well and tell them we love them. Moving on. He came on TV yesterday, was it yesterday, and announced that he has now teamed up with a company that makes CBD oil. Yep. I know. I know you think this is my obsession but it's well, everywhere. It's at it the Seven yeah. Eleven, for God's sake. Yeah, it is everywhere all of a sudden. So while he's making this announcement, I'm watching it streaming on my computer. Okay. Wow, so look people at you. Are, yeah, I know. I, I'm surprised they even know that word. Um, and he's saying, you know, it's a company that I, you know, I really believe in. I have a lot of injuries from football. I'm usually always in a lot of pain. And this has really helped me, et cetera. Okay, mm-hmm. you get the gist of it. Mm-hmm. And people are commenting, I tried CBD oil six times and overdosed on it and had to use Narcan or Narcon. And what? No. Yeah, and then somebody finally came on and said, you know, Narcon or whatever it is, yeah. is for opioids. It's not, Yeah. It, it doesn't, it wouldn't do anything, you you idiot. <laughs> Which is, of course, what we're all thinking, but, or many of us are. And then other people are saying, um, there's a group, Mothers Against CBD uh, Oil, and it, yeah. it, it, it just got crazy. It just got crazy. And it, it it occurred to me that when I grew up, there was not this forum to spew every stupid yeah. thought that runs through your mind. And now we have it. And I'm just I'm disenchanted with it. Yeah. Um, well, the fact of the matter is, Mom, we do not have a society that's caught up to this phenomenon of global instant communication, every person connected to every person, like our society is still catching up and frankly, taking its time to do so. So in the meantime, yeah, I feel like we have a lot of angst and a lot of bad feelings and a lot of president. I mean, it's all from the same thing that we just don't, this technology came all of a sudden and we just don't know how to talk to each other. Now, it's also brought us things like me too. It's brought us things like podcasts. 
you know, what we're doing right now is only possible because of this technology. So I think the good can come out of it. But we're still, I think, sifting through the good and the bad. And the bad is, um, to me, it's like when you open the oven and the and the and you get that blast of hot air. Like, that's what it yeah. feels like some days. Just to go on Twitter, it just I open it up and 60 seconds later, I'm just thinking, why? Why? Why did I open this? Why do I yeah. look at this thing? Right. Right. Because somebody feels quite, quite um, comfortable judging me or giving me their opinion or, you know, I didn't ask for any of that. I don't care what you think, but now it's here and it feels like it's a challenge and it, it just, it feels not good. Well, it often does feel not good. And, um, I think we all just need to embrace uh, the power of stepping away. And, you know, the way I always put it, when I was working at the AV club and over time I looked at the comments less and less. Um, <clears throat> partly because, I mean, maybe mostly because the tenor of the community shifted over time. I mean, now they're on this Kinja thing and um, it's just not the same. I'll leave it at that. Uh, but okay. I also, um, I would say to the staffers, like, I'm I'm not going to let that into my heart. Like, it's too easy for right. me to internalize this stuff. And, uh, you know, develop a thick skin and all that. Like, I don't really want to develop a thick skin. Like, I want to be sensitive to the world. It's part of what makes me a capable critic, I think. So I would embrace the power of of stepping away. And uh, I'm not the best at it, but it can be very liberating. And I can see that. But, you know, as Jenna has pointed out to me, you know, Facebook is for old people, which I, yes, you know, that's true. I'm in that thing. So that's where I see what my friends are doing or. Yeah, that's the tough know. part, right? Yeah, because that's my, you know, that's my social part. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, you want to go grab lunch? You want to, you know, that that's where my social is now. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry you're having a bad day. You know, something just to say something positive. You know, my friend Jane, she puts sometimes things up by the Dalai Lama. And, you know, some mornings it's nice to read a little yeah. a little philosophy of how to live your life, even if it's only for one day. I hear you. I mean, I have I, I go on Facebook maybe like four or five times a year at this point. Yeah. Um, and when I do go on, I said, oh, there's that friend I haven't spoken to in a couple of years. And, oh, they had a baby. That's wonderful. Or, or, you know, whatever. It is fun to catch up. And that's for about 10 minutes. And then you keep yeah. scrolling and um, then it just gets into, you're not going to take away my guns. Or can you believe what this asshole said? And, you know, just yeah. and that's how it's designed. You know, it's designed to give you the human connection but there's only so much of that to go around in a given day. There's only yeah. so many Dalai Lama quotes that Jane Regazzo can put on her Facebook in a given day. And after that, you just get the bilge that's designed to enrage you and keep yeah. you clicking. And it's it's really toxic. Well, I will say that I have enjoyed one, one part on this, and I'm going to tell you that I ordered a product um, like six weeks ago that was supposed to come in three weeks and it still hasn't come and I have a claim in it 
um, PayPal for it. However, when the ad pops up on the Facebook, on the Facebook, listen to me, holy crap, even I think I'm old. When the, when the ad comes up on Facebook, I always write something like, don't, don't do business with this company either. So I do enjoy that. I'm sure nobody sees it, but I do enjoy having that bit of revenge. So you, uh, you get an ad for the stuff that you've been trying to buy? Is that what you're saying? No, I bought it. You bought it, but you didn't get it. I haven't yeah. received it yet. They, and when I called the company, it transferred me, and I listened to music for three minutes, and then it cut me off. Oh, don't you love that? That's like, um, this doesn't happen quite as much anymore, but you still see it from time to time. It's like you, when you try to watch a video on the web, and you have to sit through this 30-second commercial first, and then the video doesn't load. Oh, no. See, you should be able to get money for that. <laughs> yeah, there's no justice. There's no justice. Hey, speaking of None. no justice, can I talk about something that happened to me last night? Yeah. I left some music here at uh, my office, and um, I was at home, and I said, uh, Leo, let's just qu take a quick drive down to the office. Daddy forgot something. So he says yes, and we were driving down, and um, it's 6 p.m., and the sun is really low in the sky, and I'm driving down oh. Irving Park going west. Um, Irving Park is like a major uh, road here in, in Chicago. And this, it happened very fast, as these things do, but this, uh, like, 15-year-old kid uh, at an intersection basically runs into the street. I get, I, I gather as I reconstructed it uh, after it happened, he started running because a car in the lane to my left had stopped to let him go. Uh, um, but I couldn't see any of that. I had just, right. you know, sort of instinctively assumed that car was turning. Um, I couldn't see him at all. And then he comes running out in front of the car. And it's one of those just both feet on the, or the yeah. brake pedal moments. I was really shaken by it and enraged by it immediately. And the kid looks at me and throws his arms up and just gives me a face like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was shaken by the experience of almost having killed someone. But then yeah. I just wanted to I just wanted to pull the car over and beat the living tar out of this kid. I know. You know? I, know. I just wanted to say, you're the one who almost died dipshit um but of course i just kept driving and you know I'm, i would never do anything like that period but certainly not with my son certainly in the car right. Um, right but there's there's just this it feels like a debt that has gone unpaid you know like yes i, I feel like this kid now should be responsible for getting me right again especially because this sounds awful but if he were stunned and if he were like, oh, oh, my God, then I would have been like, yeah. OK, like we had the same right. like this was a bad mistake experience. But he wasn't. He was just immediately um, a dick. And so I it's I'm just left with this feeling of unfinished business. Right. That's but right. There's no way to finish it. Without... And you're not. What's that? He's entitled. He's entitled to. But that's what 15 is. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, what else was he going to do? Really? I mean, I, I, it all played out the way you would expect it to play out. And, you know, I'm glad I wasn't going that fast. It's 
Thank heaven. I mean, because the sun was in my eyes, I wasn't going that fast. So thank God for that. But um, it really shook well, me. Let me tell you. Let me tell you this story, okay? Yeah. So we can end on an upbeat note. Okay, great. One time when I was in New York, I was um, outside of Anna's work. I forget if we were waiting for you or whatever, but I was outside. And, you know, I like to people watch a lot. So I was people watching. And this young girl came up to the intersection on foot, and she went across the road, and her shoe fell off. And she bent over and picked it up, and a car that was turning towards her honked at her, and she stood up and hit the car with her shoe. (laughs) And I thought, that was like watching a little movie. (laughs) Good for her. And I always loved that she had time to stand up and smack his car with her her little loafer or whatever. You know, she just had on a little slip-on shoe. So his car didn't get hurt, but she had the satisfaction of hitting his car because he was a jerk. Yes, that is a very satisfying story. I love that. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. My my need for justice has been sated. (laughs) I have always loved that story, so I'm happy to share it. Should we move on to our review? Yes, we should. Okay. This week, Mom and I are talking about My Favorite Shapes by Julio Torres. My Favorite Shapes is the strange new comedy special from Julio Torres, a veteran of the Saturday Night Live writing staff. You might recognize Julio from the light HBO comedy series Los Espookies, but it is more likely that you do not. In any case, the hour-long special sees Torres delivering what the title promises, a series of short comedy monologues about his favorite shapes, using a rather generous definition of shapes. It's prop comedy for the 21st century. Or maybe, given the bright sci-fi trappings of the production, for the 22nd. Here's a clip. Hi, hi. Hey, hello. Uh, my, my name is Julio. I am from El Salvador. I am an Aquarius. And I am here to show you my favorite shapes. I have a lot of shapes, but not a lot of time. So we have to start immediately. Um, the first shape that I want to show you... Um, this shape, I'm very excited that this shape is here, but when I originally asked the shape if he wanted to do the show, he was like a little hesitant about it, a little worried that we were gonna find him to be uh, mainstream, I guess. But I'm like, what are you talking about? Everyone loves a square. (laughs) Some of you may be seeing a square for the very, very first time right now. (laughs) Some of you have seen a square before. For those of you who don't know, a square is roughly the shape of a door. but not quite. My Favorite Shapes airs periodically on HBO. Consult your local listings, and of course you can stream it on HBO's various streaming services. Mom, did this special hit you square in the funny bone, or did it just go in circles? Oh, no. It hit me in, in the best, but 
Oh, I was going to say something fresh, but now let me just start that sentence again. Okay. Yes, I love this. Wow. Now this, I think this more than any other um, show we've reviewed in quite some time, I had no idea where you were going to come down on this. Really? Uh, I mean, he's adorable. and and <laughs> He's great. Um, I just love him. But, you know, the sort of spacey uh, weirdo stuff. I mean, he's it's pretty eccentric, right? But brilliant. I, I loved think. it. Yeah. I thought it was fresh. I yes. thought it was funny. It was not pie in your face. It was yeah. funny. I just I just loved it. And I, I loved him. I tell you, I looked at him and I looked at him and I kept saying to myself, is that Nathan? Could that be? <laughs> Nathan Fielder, mom's referring to. Yeah, but I get he it. He is his own person. Yeah. Oh, ju- just adorable. This this is really a, a fresh look at comedy. I think I, uh, I really thought this was like a uh, a really different way to present, and uh, it had an ethereal quality mm. to it. Yes. I uh, when I went to look it up, look up about it after there's not a lot of information no. about him at all at your fingertips. But this special was uh, what do you call it? produced by Warren Michaels and Fred Armisen. Yeah. Both comedy heavyweights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he has a good stamp behind him. Yeah. I had never seen him before, but then I did go back and look at his piece from Saturday Night Live, The Sink. Oh, I don't know this. Well, it's a big glass sink and it's in a bathroom and it's, you know, talking about itself and, you know, about the toilet and whatever. And I can see his brand of comedy now. And I I am very enchanted by it. Uh, me too. Me too. So um, let me paint the picture a little bit for folks. So he's wearing this like silver um, outer space jumpsuit and it, the it opens with him kind of teleporting onto this stage. And the stage has this futuristic conveyor belt that sort of wraps around where he sits and it just brings along a little object. The first one is just a square. And he talks about it for a little while. I thought it started out charming. And then as the little monologues, the little comedy pieces around each object became more elaborate, I thought that it that the special just sort of blossomed and got better and better as it went along. Yep. I thought he really uh, thought about this. I mean, there was so much thought that you could see, even though everything was very simplistic. Yes. That that it was all just perfect. And I'm going to tell you, there was, I'm, I only had really one complaint, and that was I really don't think he needed to use the two swear words that he used. Oh, really? I guess I didn't That's notice that. That's what I that. thought. Yeah. Other, you know, because why not be unusual in that respect? Yeah. Well, he doesn't use it very much, though. He doesn't, but it's not, you know, it's not... It could be something funny that you were watched with your mature, you know, 10 or 12 year old. But if you, you know, if you're not all about that language, that might be a bit of a turnoff. But 
you know, whatever. That that was my only complaint. And here is here is my other uh, observation that I wanted to talk to you about. I did read an interview, but he did it in character. Oh, really? And I wonder if he's comfortable to to have his character and and then be also himself. Hmm. Oh, I didn't say that quite right, but do you get the gist of what I'm trying? I get it. Yeah, I don't know. Because I, aside from uh, Los Espookies, which I mentioned in the intro, and, you know, I'm aware that he was a member of the SNL writing staff. Um, aside from this special, though, I really haven't seen, and Los Espookies, I really haven't seen too much of him. So I don't know. I mean, so do you think, you know, Nathan Fielder, uh, who we both are quite fond of, um, is another person who... You know, he appears as himself, but he typically tends toward interview situations that are operating on his terms. Even if he's being interviewed, he, you know, he'll go on late night shows from time to time, but he tends to gravitate toward uh, things that where he can define the terms and often the strange terms of the interview. Right. Fair to say. Okay. Yeah. Um, So I always feel like he's a little bit in character, as perhaps we all are. How do you like that? But, uh, yeah, I don't know, because he presents himself as a pretty delicate soul, and it sounds to me like you're wondering if he's so delicate that he really can't even handle the um, glow of the spotlight on his true self. On his true self, right. And, you know, I'm not—if uh, that's the case, that's the case, because I've just recently read about how—oh, no, that was that was on— cars with coffee and whatever, <laughs> yeah. but how, how, whatever that show is called, and how difficult it is to be known by the public. Mm. And, you know, that you can't wait for that day, and then it's a, a burden. Yeah, interesting. That's what I'm wondering. You know, where mm-hmm. is he in that process? He's, he's been behind the scenes at Saturday Night Live, and but now he's sort of coming out and it's him, but the interview that I read was all silly answers, like his show person. Oh my God, could I be me more <laughs> inarticulate? You'd think I was drunk. Um, You're fine. That's what I wonder. Yeah. Well, I, I guess we'll just have to wonder. He does seem like the shy sort, but on the other hand, he's uh, out there on stage doing this, to me, conceptually bold comedy i think it takes a lot of courage to get out there and yes. uh talk about your opening act as talking about a one inch square um, that's sitting yeah. on the desk in front of you people of have different it all leads back to the grand finale of the square though <laughs> well no spoilers we're not gonna ruin it <laughs> yeah um what were some of your favorite shapes i liked the gem that sat in the chair. The gem had its own little chair. Yeah. The the gem had its own little chair. I also enjoyed, I, you know, I enjoyed the square and the, and the oval. I I enjoyed those because it, to me, it was like fireworks because he's putting this little concept in your mind as to how a, a square might think, or a, yeah. an oval, 
might think. And it just, my mind just kept blooming and, and blossoming. And it was a very, very nice feeling. Beautifully put. I also liked how, look, he has some, what I would call standard um, staples of a, of a stand-up set. Like in a stand-up set, you always, you know, you have to establish your character. And usually that's that's one of the first things you do with the audience. He doesn't really, well, he establishes a character, but then he does talk about himself as a person except through the objects. Like he'll talk about one of the shapes um, being his immigration lawyer. And it's his way. Right, right. Right. It's his way of talking about coming from El Salvador to be um, an eccentric um, comedy writer who's also into fashion and all that. You know, he's talking about himself, but he does it through the objects and it always kind of sneaks up on you. Like afterward, you realize, oh, he was, you know, he's telling us about himself, but you don't see it coming Um, in the same way. Like, I think he has a great. A uh, bit about this Happy Meal uh, figurine from the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yes. Do you remember the Disney animated film, The Hunchback of Notre Dame? It wasn't a hit, but it was there. It's just sort of what we got that year. Sometimes we get lions, sometimes we get genies. Sometimes we get a tender Parisian drama for the children. (laughs) But a part about that movie that really, really stayed with me was its villain. This withering, possibly closeted, deeply troubled little man named Monsignor Claude Frollo. And during the peak of his narrative arc, Monsignor Claude Frollo sings into the roaring flames of the fire about his lust for the gypsy girl Esmeralda. And in that moment, we see him turn lust into misogyny, into essentially genocide. Anyway, that was a Happy Meal toy. (laughs) That could be, like, I could see other stand-ups taking on that subject matter and making fun of this um, figurine, but he... You know, because it's in this strange setting and with his uh, peculiar language and approach, it just has a liveliness to it that I think um, in a quote-unquote standard stand-up set, it might not. And and you use the word liveliness again, which is sort of um, exactly what he's not. <laughs> you know, he's, yeah. he's, you know, he's sort of deadpan and... Yes. Very calm. And it's just, it's, it is just, I think it's just like fine wine. It's just perfection. It's, you know, you, you go to a comedy show, not me, but you know, you look at a comedy thing on TV and it's bombastic and it's loud and the crowd is going wild. But here the crowd almost politely titters. Because I think the timing is it takes an extra two seconds to appreciate his joke. Yep, uh, I think that's right. He, he's not feeding off the, the frenzy mm. of the audience. It's a very self-contained performance. Yes, good observation. 
he's really the the audience is enjoying themselves. You can tell. Oh yes. But I think it's not only that. Um, you know, it takes a couple seconds to to understand what gear he's shifted into because he doesn't telegraph anything. You this new shape comes down the conveyor belt, and you don't know what where it's going to go. Um, right. And also, I think the audience is relatively um, quiet because he himself is quiet, and you don't want to miss yeah. anything that he's saying because it's clear that every word is important. Is important. That's right. That's right. So, and I, I just think, I also think it might be difficult for him to have a venue in a comedy club because that's just not the right atmosphere. Maybe, but I, I think he could manage it. I do. I can't see it there. You know, I can just see it on stage as it was presented. Now, I did also have to tell you that I was very um, taken with the penguin race game. Oh, God, how funny was that? Yes, yes. Um, he and the blue penguin in particular, right? Yes. The um, So the uh, special incorporates... Um, some, I want to call them pre-taped segments, but of course it was all pre-taped, but some video segments, basically, um, like miniature short films he's made about about a penguin race toy or about a high heel, uh, like a giant high heel shoe that displays miniature high heeled shoes, which like that, that was the point in which I was like, this guy is in a different stratosphere when I saw that th- yes. uh, little bit, because... There are, this is something I learned when I was working at The Daily Show way back in the mid-2000s. There were a lot of, you know, there was a lot of talent in that office. Um, and there oh. were a lot of writers who I thought, wow, that you know, that guy's really funny, um, but I think I could do what he does. And then there was one one guy, his name was Tim Carvel, one of the funniest people I've ever met, who I was just like, I cannot do what I could never do what he does. He just thinks in on this different level um, and just has a way of looking at the world that I can't even begin to approach. And I respected him so much for that. Nathan Fielder is another person who has impressed me that way. And I have to say that uh, Julio Torres is is another one. And and at it was during that high heeled, the giant high heel that displays the mini high heels. Um, that I was just like, wow, this is this is someone really special. Yeah, and that's what I felt very special. It om- I almost purchased the Penguin game, but I didn't. <laughs> Describe the Penguin race game so people know what we're talking about. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's penguins that fit into a uh, an escalator type thing mm-hmm. and go up each step, yep. and at the top are dropped off and then they're supposed to slide down a slide and get in place again to go up the escalator like steps and it just goes around and around and around his penguin was not sliding though (laughs) yeah which was i mean the just another misdirection in uh, an hour that's full of them well i can't wait to watch it again did you watch it with dad no, I didn't. So that's that's why I'm yeah, I looking what forward to it. watching it with him, um, because we'll laugh at all the the same things probably. And you know, again, I didn't feel the need to laugh, but I was 
so entertained by this. Good. It was like a tickle. I, I, I keep trying to describe it, but I really can't. Well, there's no need to describe it any further. All you need to do is give it a grade at this point, Mom. I'm going to give this an A+. Plus. A+. Plus. Do we sound the sirens for that one? No, A+. Plus plus a+. Plus plus. Oh, so this does not ascend to A+. Plus. I thought this was going to be an A double plus for sure. Yeah. No sirens. Leave out the curse words, and I'll give you two pluses. Oh, that's a pretty, that's a pretty cheap way. Well, to because I think then that would be absolute brilliant. It, it did not fit. The language did not fit in. I didn't think. I, I just thought this was so close to perfect, so close to perfect, just pure absolute entertainment. Hmm. So it's an A plus. Oh no, that's not right. No. Johnny, those are all loser sounds. There you go. That's better. <laughs> okay. So, applause. Applause is the sound for an A+. That makes sense. There you um, go. You have a recommendation for us this week, Mom? I do. I have a, I have a book that I enjoyed reading. Uh, and oh, maybe good. You- because you've, yes. you've had some stinker books toward the tail end of the summer here. Oh, boy, some bad ones. Uh, you won't like this book. This isn't for you. Okay. But it's called The 15 Wonders of Daniel Green by Erica Boyce. And it's about a secret organization that makes crop circles. Oh. And there there is some truth mixed in with all of this, but... It's about this one particular fellow that it's his story about making crop circles and how they're made and the reason that some of them come into being. And it's just interesting. It's fiction. It is fiction with with some truth mixed in. I don't know if I want that truth in there. I like my fiction to be 100 percent pure. (laughs) And if there's a couple of swear words, forget it. Are you going to start with this? And let me just tell you, let me just tell you, I want Dad to know that I forgive him for getting a parking ticket in my brand spanking new car. Oh, oh. He has besmirched the reputation of my car in the city of Concord, but I forgive him. How much was the ticket for? Uh, I don't know, because he offered to let me pay it. Oh, that's nice. Uh, And I said, no, you pay it. So he probably won't pay it, and it'll cost us $25. When we got back from New Hampshire and I, uh, we got to my car at the airport parking garage, I'd uh, gotten a ticket because the sticker on my license plate was expired. And I thought it was kind of rotten that, they, uh, that the cops just kind of walked through the airport garage while you're on vacation. It's not a very nice surprise. Anyway, I get home. I'm just like, what the hell? I thought I had this. I'd set up so that they um, notify me. I'm going to take this up with the state. And then I look (laughs) in my spam folder and there's like four messages from the Illinois Secretary of State with links that I could have clicked to just click and get your new sticker. And my spam filter just sent them all to the junk box. Well, that's your spam. You should have a speak with that. 
Yeah, I mean, I I apologized in my mind to the good people at the Illinois Secretary of State office because they held up their end of the bargain. But uh, yeah, I kind of got screwed by my spam filter to the uh, tune of $80. Yeah, yeah. It was a little overzealous, I think. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> Um, but anyway, like parking tickets aside, it's The 15 Wonders of Daniel Green by Erica Boyce, available at libraries and bookstores everywhere. That's right. Well, that'll do it for this week's edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more pop culture. The question, as always, is what should we talk about, Mom? Any ideas? Oh, my God. I hope we can find something interesting. Something interesting. That'll do. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends and your enemies. We love you. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. Love you, too. Love you, too.